Hello, hello, hello again. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Chop Shop, a pro wrestling podcast on the Pro Wrestling Personified Podcasting Network. My name is Luke Dorse, the Charm City Center here, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about this week. And once again this week, I am joined by my best friend and pro wrestling compadre, Mr. Daniel Atwell. Danny, say hello to the good folks. What's going on, everybody? We got a uh, big, big uh, show in store for you because it's been a huge week in the uh, pro wrestling world. Um, we've had uh, the uh, A Block Finals and the B Block Finals at this point, and uh, NXT ran their Takeover show uh, last night, and um, Ring of Honor ran their Summer Sizzler Spectacular Supercard show. That was a lot of S's I just said right there. <laughs> their uh, Summer Sizzler Supercard show the other night, and tonight is uh, Super Summer Slam. Spill! So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to try to jump right in and uh, not talk everybody's ear off. Um, probably the biggest news of uh, this this uh, weekend so far, at least in, uh, in my opinion, for this show has been the... Um, the uh, A block and the B block, uh, the A block and the B block finals uh, over in New Japan. Um, did you see any of this action, Danny, this over the is, weekend? I will tell you, like especially just garnering from the highlights, it was a very intense uh, bout of card. I mean, it was amazing. Um, a lot of uh, special uh, matches. A lot of uh, really interesting. Uh, outcomes that you didn't really honestly expect some you did but you know i i like the fact that especially right now with njpw it's not wwe it's not predictable it's not i mean some of it could be predictable just by you know you know the law of averages especially in professional wrestling sure but it's still interesting to watch um we were just uh we were talking about uh, some of the matches from nxt and I, I, we started watching uh, New Japan like right afterwards, and the attention span for each of those different matches, like a lot of people love Adam Cole. I love Adam Cole. I love the work he had, especially in Ring of Honor. But the last match that he's had with Gargano, the two out of three falls match, I didn't feel emotionally invested in. With NJPW, I watched one match, and I felt instantly vested. That was a really strange experiment. That was something we just did. Uh, we were watching some of uh, NXT TakeOver. We watched the uh, tag team match with uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly and um, the Street Profits. And, um, I mean, I... Uh, I, 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 I re- Can we address the pink elephant in the room? Sure. Street Profits are basically private party with more money. Yeah. It's basically it. I mean... Uh, Private party is infinitely talent. more talented. Yeah, with less than, talent. With less talent. I mean, like, like street profits. I watch them come to the ring. I see what they're doing, and I'm like, wait a minute. This looks like a combination of a lot of different tag teams I've seen in the past. But private party, you know, they do a good job. They, do, you know, they're very, very talented. People start calling them what the Black Young Bucks, which kind of pisses me off in that sense. But that's besides the point. Me too. Point of the matter, though, is infinitely talented. And this tag match that we watch, even though that the spoiler alert, the Street Profits won. I was not expecting that. No, no one did. But Bobby Fish and, and you know, like that Bobby Fish and they. 
and Kyle O'Reilly, they carried them through this entire match. I don't know what Vince sees in them. Honestly, I don't know what Vince sees in any of his product nowadays, which really pisses me off. But that's besides the point. Point of the matter is, when you take and you watch two of those matches, especially in what's considered now going to be AEW's competition. Yeah, we'll get back into that in a minute. But you see a dichotomy between that product and the product of either AEW or even New Japan. And I don't feel emotionally invested in this. Uh, I'm someone who was... I, I used to watch the uh, NXT... Uh, I mean, hell, me and Lewis would... Uh, Lewis here on the Pro Wrestling Personified Network. Me and Lewis would... Um, one of our big uh, talking points used to be the NXT show. I haven't watched their weekly program, and I couldn't even tell you how long. Probably... This whole calendar year, I couldn't, I can't even tell you. I mean, hell, I haven't had the WWE Network since before WrestleMania, maybe right after WrestleMania, because I, I, I did watch WrestleMania on the network for sure. So definitely right after WrestleMania, I did, I, I, I dropped my, my pres- uh, prescription, my subscription. Yeah. Um, well, as of late, you know, watching WWE, you need a prescription. <laughs> that, that, ain't that the truth? <laughs> I'm but, not gonna bash on the product all the time because. Uh, They've got a ton of great talent there. It's just, a, it's just I feel like they're not being used right. And like I said, this it, it was a really interesting experiment. We watched not even two entire NXT matches. Plus the Cole Gargano match is is two out of three falls and it ran a really long match. Very long. Uh, but not even two whole NXT matches from Takeover. And uh, I watched all the B Block finals myself this morning. And uh, Danny and I watched what we watched Juice and Moxley. Juice and Moxley. That was a really good match. It was way more entertaining than just then, and then Cole and Gargano. At least in our opinion, I don't know if that if that's the opinion of the masses out there, but at least in our opinion, it kept our interest more. It's a way better match. Way it was structured better, and it had you just emotionally invested. Within five seconds, I was more emotionally invested in Juice Robinson and, and John Moxley. One, I saw their first match when he first came into New Japan, and Man, I was that like, was something, wasn't that was it? something. This one, I'm thinking, okay, well, how are they going to top this? And it turns out, you know, they they did very well. Juice Robinson kept this thing clean. He didn't want to go into the same type of match that Moxley's known for, which is this brutal... Um, All the weapons, the tables, yes. chairs, anything he can get his hands on, brawling around the ring, using yeah. whatever he can. He beat him the way he was supposed to beat him. And the after what happened last match with them... You became emotionally invested in this part. Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, they have wrestled several different times. And it seems like, I don't know for me, maybe for you, but the novelty is sort of worn off. The novelty was worn off from Cole and Gargano a long time ago with me. I, I've seen them wrestle in Evolve. I've seen them wrestle in PWG. Uh-huh. And now in these these two really classic NXT championship matches they've already had this calendar year. Hell, just this quarter they've had two two really good NXT championship matches with uh, Cole and Gargano. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like Adam Cole got in this spot only because Ciampa got hurt, really. I mean, Adam Cole was kind of groomed for this spot, but it seemed like maybe they were hesitant to pull the trigger on him. I- I'm not sure, but he got over real quick in NXT. Yeah. And uh, Tommaso Ciampa gets hurt. And as is the norm with uh, something else he and I were talking about before we started recording, um, as is the norm with the WWE, your top your top champion is probably going to be a heel. 
Yeah. And, and I noticed that the way it seems like it's going to be going, because Vince Vince apparently likes that sort of thing. Apparently he does. But um, Rollins, what? Rollins was the Universal Champion, held it for a few months, was in a meaningless feud with Baron Corbin, mm-hmm. drops the belt to Lesnar. Uh, to be quite honest, Baron Corbin, I don't see what anybody sees in him either. It's like he doesn't. I mean, like I can understand, like a like heel heat, good heel heat. That's this not is, good heel. This heat. isn't good heel heat. This yeah. is like I'm a dude that they just keep carting out to people. Who's got good heel heat right now? Yeah. MJF. MJF and Jay White have the Jay two White. best heel heat yes. in the business mm-hmm. right now. MJF Bar and Jay none. White have the two best heel heat. And if you're a heel, uh, I mean that, that's it. You're doing it wrong. Uh, these guys are really good. You like them, but you love to hate them. Yes, which but is that's the whole. That's point. the whole point. Exactly. That's yeah. the point. If you just hate the guy, you don't want to see him, then there's something wrong there. No one wants to see Baron Corbin. Also, uh, since the last time we were on, um, it it would also be uh, unfair to not mention the fact that Harley Race had passed away. Ah, yes. The first, what, seven-time NWA world champion. uh, Harley Race was a real deal legend. Um, What is your earliest memory of handsome Harley Race, Danny? My earliest memory... Obviously, would be the whole King Harley race uh, stuff that happened in WWE. Me too. Um, for just the uh, the notion that he was there, he you had this whole King mentality to him, and Bobby Heenan was his manager and everything. But uh, like listening to like a lot. Well, of he the won different... the King of the Ring. Yes, he did. He won the King so of the Ring. So the like hearing all the 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 stories about him in the past about other stuff like. Andre the Giant feared only two people in his entire lifetime, and one of them was Harley Race. What does that tell you about a guy? I've seen some really cool footage of Harley slamming Andre. Uh-huh. Did you see that this week? Yep, I saw that That was that awesome. Too. And, you know, when they sit there, especially in the WWE, and say, oh, Hogan was the only one to slam on No, that's not true. No, I've seen Stan Hansen slam mm-hmm. Andre. Yep. I did not know Harley Race slammed Andre. Yep. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. And I, I like to pride myself on my obscure wrestling facts. I did not know that Harley Race slammed Andre. That was awesome to see. Uh, yeah, my first earliest memory of Harley Race, too, would be Probably 86th in the WWF. Um, I was watching Mid-Atlantic NWA at the time, and um, that was probably the year Dusty won the world title. Magnum TA was over. Rock and Roll Express was big. Midnight Express was big. But Harley Race was already How gone. How big was the Rock and Roll Express back in the day, man? Cause Huge. They were... Like, Little thing, they were, you probably don't even know this, Danny. Uh, my earliest actual memory of pro wrestling um, is... Uh, Barry Darso and Ivan Koloff wrestling the Rock and Roll Express. That is the Crusher first Jeff. That <laughs> is the first wrestling match that I can actually remember watching was the Rock and Roll Express versus the Russians wow. on Mid Atlantic Wrestling Television. I had like two opposing forces in my life at the time. Um, my uncle, who was younger than my father, he was really big on the NWA. Big Ric Flair guy, big Dusty Rose guy. Big fan of the Rock and Roll Express. Big fan of the Four Horsemen. And then my father, who was pretty much a, a diehard Bruno San Martino guy. Big fan of Andre So you the had the whole North mentality and the South mentality. Yeah. Well, that was the benefit of living in Maryland. Yes. Because you were literally right between both of them. And that's yeah. why you know, you'd have a lot of uh, overlap between the two uh, federations. And... Th- 
that just made Baltimore like almost like a semi mecca for pro wrestling in general. I mean, like you know how, how many like stories especially came out of like certain hotels in Baltimore, especially Rick Flair yeah. restaurants, things like that, and and being sort of nestled in that that little uh, the nest egg of pro wrestling has been a benefit to anybody who's been a giant fan, especially living in the Mid-Atlantic. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just being a kid, I can remember here, and uh, being a, a young person going to uh, Sabatino's Little Italy, you go there today, there's still pictures of um, the uh, of Flair in there. There's pictures of Bruno in there. There's pictures of superstar Billy Graham in there. Much like Jimmy Seafood today, if you go in Jimmy Seafood, it's like wall-to-wall pictures of wrestlers. They've yeah. got... Conrad and and uh, Bruce Pritchard and uh, Roman Reigns and you you name it they've got a picture of them at Jimmy mm-hmm. Seafood. Hell, they 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 sponsor the local uh, independent promotion here in Maryland. Um, so they're big in the pro wrestling culture here in our state. And yeah, this is this was a good this is a good place. Um, sure, they they uh they catered to the whole um Bullet Club thing. Yeah, they did the they, Bullet Club block party. That's the right. The whole Bullet Club block party. Yeah, absolutely. What does that tell you when a little um. When a little uh, restaurant in Baltimore, Maryland, is funding and putting together and catering for for this big giant event that they had, and that was in New Jersey. That's right. Yeah. So, but um, let's let's kick back to um, NJPW. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go back to uh, we were talking about the B block this uh, today because uh, that's that's the most recent thing that's going on. But we'll jump back a day a day prior to that with the. Uh, the uh, the A block finals. Uh, what did we see on the A block finals? Um, we saw some really good stuff. We saw the, I believe the opening uh, match in the tournament. They had the of course they had their tag team matches, but the opening match in the tournament was uh, Lance Archer and. Oh Evil. my God, that was a good match, and I think. What's up with Lance Archer, man? God damn, how good is he? Exactly, that's Lance what I'm trying Archer. to say. Wow, and and the ending especially, you know, him getting that claw finally on him and pinning him, that was that was something. I love his theme song too. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of this song. I, I, I'm a big Lance Archer won me over. I was never really high well, especially, on him. Well, especially with this this tournament, I you oh know, yeah, I was in the same way. I'm like, wow, Lance Archer's kicking some ass. So even matches he lost, he looked good in. Yeah, exactly. And there's a difference between you know losing and winning because obviously we know those are scripted. But sh- putting on a good show, putting on a good measure of what your talent is—that's the perfect thing right there. And right now, even like I said, Lance Archer, I wouldn't be surprised if the next G one he doesn't go up higher. Yeah, I could see him definitely breaking uh, ten points uh, if in next year's G one. Definitely getting double digits. Um, it depends how they how he goes this year moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely see him. Um, he, I mean, he's he's on he's on a career like uh, resurgence right now, a career hot streak in New Japan. I, I could see him taking out Ishii for the Never Open Weight Title. I could see him and Osprey having some more good matches. Hell, I just the the possibilities are endless with uh, Lance Archer right now. Which totally blew me away. Honestly, he uh, the only other thing I can compare his uh, his career resurgence to is Robert Downey Jr. Because you know his right. his career was basically over, and then Iron Man comes out, and then all of a sudden he's everywhere and awesome. 
So this, I guess Lance Archer could be probably the Robert Downey Jr. of wrestling. <laughs> I like that comparison. That's good but, stuff. Yeah. So then the next, uh, the next match was uh, that we saw was um, it was a uh, Will Osprey against the Ace himself. What a match that was! Oh my God! And 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 especially do yourself a favor, folks. Go out and check that match out if you can. It's it's out there. Uh, on New Japan World and um, other other sites, if uh, if you can, if you can find it, definitely watch this match. Will Ospreay, um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. My opinion, the best wrestler in 2019 mm-hmm, is by Will Ospreay. There's been not one wrestler, and I'm 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 the Kenny Omega mark. I I love Omega. I love Okada. But right now, you, there ain't nobody better than there's Will nobody right now than Will Ospreay. No, Will Ospreay is the best wrestler. And Seth in Rollins the world. can take a big, you know, giant dump elsewhere no. to say Osprey, otherwise. Osprey's great. He's the best wrestler in the world. There's not one person I get more excited to watch than Will Ospreay. And this G1 has further cemented that. Uh, the match he had with Kenta, fantastic. The match with Okada, legendary. The match uh, with Ibushi, legendary. The match with Zack Sabre Jr., arguably the best match in the whole G1. Uh, I have friends that said that. I'm I'm inclined to agree. And this match with Tanahashi, I I I picked uh, the ace to win, but man, and the crowd he got kicked in the face so hard. I thought, honest, I was like, wow, how stiff was I that? I love that kick. Yes, that hook kick Osprey does is so great, and the crowd is what really surprised me. Uh, the crowd was for Osprey in Japan, in the Budokan. They were for Osprey, not Tanahashi. Which is saying something. Yes. And Osprey had Osprey won the crowd over before they even touched. Osprey had the crowd, and uh, yeah, that was fantastic. That match was great. Yeah. Um, another really good match um, was Kenta and, and uh, Zack Saber Jr. That was a really really good match. Um, they, did a, they did a really good job of explaining the backstory with uh, Kenta and ZSJ. Back to uh, the days of uh, Zack Sabre Jr. being a, a young boy in uh, the dojo of um, of uh, pro wrestling Noah when uh, Kenta was definitely the ace of that promotion. So, just the fact that I, I didn't I knew that uh, uh, ZSJ uh, was uh, you know came up through the dojo system, but I didn't know that he was basically the um, kohai to Kenta senpai. I did I didn't know that and. Uh, Bringing that history to light with the commentary team was another reason why uh, Kevin Kelly, Rocky, and uh, and uh, Chris Charleston is just—they're just great. I love the commentary team in New Japan; they do a great job, and it was uh, a really good match. Very, and, very good. And just as suppose a comparison, we were listening to both commentary teams, both for New Japan and for WWE uh, um, NXT, and I got to tell you, there is so much ass kissing. In WWE NXT than there is, um, than there is in New Japan. And I'm a fan of Morrow. I'm a fan of Nigel. I love both of them. And I like I like Beth Phoenix a lot too. But having her come in and basically be out of her element instead of just being her for some reason, it just doesn't. It didn't seem very organic. It didn't seem very. Uh, I don't know. Together. I don't know what it is, but. Her and Renee almost sounded indistinguishable from one another. She wow. sounded just like Renee. Renee's commentary. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, like, literally, their pitches sounded the same. It just... It's like the same voice, the same person, except yeah, for the fact same that... same personality, same obviously voice. Obviously, Beth Phoenix is a glamazon. 
Yeah, I just huge, uh, you know. <laughs> I, 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 but it's the same voice, and, and I don't know if that that was intentional, or or what. But if you wanted to like flavor it up, have Alicia Fox on there. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> right. I mean, like like if you're looking for a different flavor than what's going on standard wise for either SmackDown or Raw, why not try that? Why not try something different and see how it goes over? Because I'm telling you, like, Alicia Fox or even, you know, someone with, like, a, I wouldn't say a huskier voice. But you get you get a difference. And that's what's so important nowadays with how wrestling is being portrayed. There, It's almost cookie cutter. And you yeah. can't, even with the announcers, it's yeah. cookie cutter. And it sucks so bad. The the whole job of the announce team, everybody knows, is is to get the match over, to get the get the athletes over. But when you have them staying staying on staying on such a tight script, it just doesn't feel as organic. New Japan's announce team feels way more real. It feels like they're. It just feels more organic. It just feels real. Mm-hmm. Uh, where. And I and like I'm a huge fan of Nigel McGuinness. I love Nigel and Ring of Honor. I like Nigel and Two of Five Live and NXT. And I'm a huge Morrow fan. Yeah. I like Morrow, going back to you know hell. I've been a Morrow fan since he did commentary for the well only one time in the UFC, but back in Pride, Strike Force. Uh, he still does Bellator and Showtime World Championship Boxing. So I'm a big Morrow Ronaldo fan. It just doesn't it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel like it doesn't. it's real. And 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 sometimes especially when you know everybody. Everybody knows that at this point in time, it's a scripted, it's a scripted sport. You have to have some semblance of realism sometimes. Yeah. And right now, it's just not doing. Especially WWE's product right now, it's just not doing it. Well, hell, they're the ones that that let kayfabe out of the bag, essentially. Yeah, you know, basically. and they're the they're the biggest culprits of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing too. Uh, in New Japan, the the product is still treated like a sport, and the Japanese fans they treat it like it's a sport. Whereas here, you can't even say that. You can't even say it's the like word a pro glorified wrestling. play. It's sports entertainment, and you that's just what. And they call instead it. of them playing Hamlet, or or you know doing some other like you know play it's like oh we're going to tell a story but we're going to throw imaginary fisticuffs i'm like okay i can understand i can understand the whole mentality of it being scripted but you got like when you set your own rules obey your own rules don't change it up on the fly like it's not you know making any damn sense or anything but just um, yeah it feels like uh they're on a a cold period, and uh, I'm not going to sit here and bash the WWE all the time because, hell, I mean, me even and though it's the, easy to do it's right really now, really easy to do right now. <laughs> uh, me and Danny are some of the biggest WWE fans. Like our whole like childhood and young adult life, we are WWE fans. Yes, and um, we feel. I know I can speak for me. Um, I can speak for you for for most parts. I know I felt disenfranchised by the WWE. Like, we put all this invested time into an organization, and I feel as though they've let us down in a lot of different ways. And that's one of the main reasons why I am I try to stay away from that product nowadays, because it seems just heartbreaking to watch. And I like, I and sad, because I like so much of the talent that mm-hmm. they've accumulated. They have so many good guys there, I just don't 
really want to see them anymore. It's kind of weird. I don't really know how to explain it. I just don't like what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. As simple as that, I guess. But back to New Japan yep. on the A Block. Um, and then the, the the A Block night rounded out with the main event. Uh, the IWGP champion, Kazushka Okada, was facing uh, Kota Bushi. Okada sat at 12 points, and Okada sat at 10 points. And uh, essentially, the story was basically Okada could have uh, coasted to a draw, and he still could have won the A block. And uh, Ibushi ended up getting the uh, the win in this match. It was a fantastic match. Yes. Um, I, I loved it. It was great. It was everything you'd expect with Kota Ibushi and Kazushika Okada. They have uh, wrestled previously at the uh, anniversary show back in 2014, which, once again, the announced team let everybody know that in case you didn't know that. I had actually gone back and watched that match about a week and a half ago, uh, so I wanted to be familiarized myself with the differences now and then. And essentially, the biggest difference was um, the styles of both guys. Okada has matured, and Ibushi has slowed down a little bit. But the match was just as entertaining and just as hard-hitting as it was uh, back in 2014. I was thoroughly excited to... to to have uh, Kota Ibushi win the A block until I realized who was going to win the B block. <laughs> and that and that, and I don't know if this is just a pessimistic pessimistic view or if this is just me pred- uh, being able to predict what's planning or what's coming. But um, but we're not going to get into the B block just yet because that that'll tell us flat out, you know, who the fu- what the final's going to be. And that that well, like I said, we'll we'll go into that in a different. Um, yeah, we'll go into that real soon. Uh, but yeah, so Kota Bushi he gets the win and wins the A block, and um, it's it was it was a very very good match. I was uh, I was very I was very pleased with it, um, and uh, I really I really loved that. I, I love that I can't say anything bad about it. The whole show, the whole uh, A block final show was good from start to finish. The tag matches setting up the B block finals were great, and then all the uh, tournament matches were just. They were all really good. Mm-hmm. The only one that that left me kind of um, <laughs> not surprising. The only one that left me wanting. The only one we didn't really talk about was Sonata and Bad Luck Fale. And um, obviously, it's because of the last uh, podcast we did in regards. Yeah, Fale is I'm not even down. gonna beat around the bush. Fale sucks. Yep, Fale sucks. And um, he's not. I, I'm honestly thinking he's not trying anymore. Yeah, he, <laughs> and he won the match. And he won the match. He beat Sonata. So Sonata had like a record bad G one, even though he did beat Okada Finally in the tournament. Okada, yeah. But he still had like a pretty shitty G one. Yeah. His matches were all good, but his uh, record just was not that good. Yeah. And he loses to Bad Luck Fale in the tournament final. So, oh poor Sonata. Yeah. Um, but I, I, like I said before, I think I see nothing but good stuff for Sonata in the future. I think he's a future IWGP champion. Uh, I see nothing but good stuff for him. All right. So what about the ble- the B block? Uh, the B block was today, and um, this show was really good. It started with um, Toriano and uh, Jeff Cobb. And um, how awesome is Jeff Cobb? See, I, I'm a huge Jeff Cobb guy. I remember when I Jeff wasn't... Cobb came in on, and we we saw him in MCW. Yeah, and that was a really good match. Really good match. Yeah, I, I've seen Jeff Cobb live several times, and um, I watched him with... Didn't he uh, fight Flip Gordon? He did, and I've seen him work uh, Drew McIntyre at the mm-hmm. same arena, uh, Drew, Drew, uh, Drew Galloway, as was. And um, 
he, uh, it's hurt, it hurts to say this. Hurts to say this, but fucking Tai Chi had a better G1 than Jeff Cobb did. There's the truth. Mm-hmm. Tai Chi made a believer out of me, this G1. Hell, the, the match he had just today with uh, Tomohiro Ishii was ridiculous. It was so good. Some of the matches he had this whole tournament were good. The match with Shingo was good. The match with Moxley was good. Yeah. The match with Jay White was good. He had several good matches uh, in this tournament. And um, Jeff Cobb, uh, I don't know if it was... I, I don't know what it was. It just seemed like he was a little, a little off. It, it didn't seem like he won the crowd over as much as he maybe could have. Do you think maybe it's because Jeff Cobb is more of a Ring of Honor... Uh, type of wrestler than New Japan? Um, I don't know. With the partnership being the way it is. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. But he definitely wasn't booked very strong. No. He wasn't booked well, if you, strong. If you, if, you, if you go back, it was almost, almost mirrored to how Michael Elgin was booked last year. Yeah, it's very true, actually. That's actually a really good point. So, I it's mean, actually a really good point. Yeah. It's yeah. almost exactly how that that was booked last year for for Michael Elgin, and I don't know if they was like a cookie cutter way of saying, "Hey, Jeff Cobb, you're doing the same route," but that's just what happened, I guess. Elgin uh, historically had a good relationship with New Japan. Uh, I don't know what happened. Yeah, he cut ties. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, yeah, I know he cut ties with them. Um, he was out of the, the New Japan Cup this year real early, and I guess he was just tired of being underutilized there. At one point in time, he was the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Mm-hmm. He beat Kenny Omega in uh, in the only ladder match that I can think of in New Japan history. But so, yeah, Elgin, um, Elgin and, Cobb, and Cobb, that they drew a definitely a very interesting comparison with yeah. each other in the G1 this year and last. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's really ac- very accurate. Well, you know, I try to think outside the box. <laughs> so, The interesting, interesting thing about the B block, going into the finals, as this is well documented, um, Hiroki Goto, Jay White, and Naito all had the exact same point. And John Moxley. They all had 10 points going into the finals today. So and that was very interesting. There was essentially a four-way tie going into the main event, which was uh, Jay White and Tetsuya Naito. And again, how it all ugh. played out, it worked. It was really interesting. So the first match we saw that really affected the main event yeah. was Shingo Takagi and Hiroki Goto. Um, Shingo Takagi, who is right there uh is one of the best arguably if not the best in the world he's he's just so fucking fun to watch i love watching shingo i could watch his matches all day long the match with naito he had in the g1 was one of my favorites as well um the match with ishii was just god it's so hard to pick the the best matches out of the g1 because so many are good the standard of wrestling is so good in new japan you can't even compare anything else to it right now. No, There's you can't. nothing you can compare None. to it. None. The standard is so high. What these guys have done in the G1, I can't watch anything else. Yeah. I'm still excited for AEW and everything they got going on. That will be the American promotion that I am will watch. Other than New Japan, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about whatever the fuck anybody's got going on. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. If it's not New Japan, if it's not AEW, but now I don't give a shit. I don't yeah. give a shit. 
That's how it is. I don't until, until they make you think otherwise, then I guess that's you know that's that's your mentality. It is. And I I'm I'm, I'm sort of almost in the same way myself. I mean, I, I give a lot of different you know other things a chance every once in a while. But in regards, I'll watch to, MLW. I'll watch Impact. Mm-hmm. I'll watch um I'll watch PWG whenever I can, and uh, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I, mean, I, uh, I I try to stay interested in Ring of Honor. I don't give a shit. We're, we're, we'll discuss Ring of Honor soon. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a whole... We're going to do a whole episode of Ring of Honor real soon. And since the G1 is uh, is ending tomorrow with the finals... Uh, I this wanna, is going to be our focus today. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to dedicate a lot of time on Ring of Honor because uh, that deserves, that deserves the well, time. Well, th- also, that, that whole entire topic becomes... An episode all on its own. Yeah, exactly. Because it because like you ask, there's going to be a lot of questions to be asked, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of uh, prerogatives to be uh, displayed. It's just going to be very extensive to the point where we don't want to cheat on the time that we wanted a lot for um, for the New Japan uh, uh, G1. Yeah, there's nothing that's taken my interest more in wrestling lately since the hell since. Since really, I don't even since what since fucking January with yeah. the, with uh, Wrestle Kingdom, nothing's really taken my interest except for the onset of AEW. Nothing yeah. else has really been interesting in wrestling to me aside from what New Japan does this entire year. Exactly, AEW and New Japan are it for me right now. And um, yeah, so uh, back, back to the, the B, B block. block. Yep. So Shingo and, and Hiroki Goto had a really fun match, a real good match, exactly what you would expect from these two guys. Um, I really like the comparisons that um, they drew with the commentary team. Once again, I got to put over the commentary team. They did a great job of comparing the um, King's Road All Japan style of Shingo Takagi and the uh, New Japan Strong style and Dojo system of Hiroki Goto and how these two styles uh, are different from each other and mm-hmm. how both guys um, are, are wrestle both ways. How, how Shingo is a, a disciple of Tenru. And how Goto came up um, in the dojo system under New Japan. Really good stuff. Really interesting. Fun stuff. And um, hell of a good match. Hello. Yeah. Shingo gets the win. Um, made in Japan. And uh, that essentially ended Goto. Goto's uh, night. Um, we were talking originally about uh, Moxley and, and Juice Robinson. Oh, yes, we did. We didn't and, finish, uh, yeah. But, you know, at, at the end, Juice gets his win back. Yes. Um, that was a very, very good match, uh, watching that especially. Uh, seeing the two different styles. Seeing that Juice Robinson was wrestling his known match and not stooping to Moxley's level. That was perfect. The best thing about it was exactly, how, exactly what you said. That it was totally different. Than their previous match for yeah. the U.S. title, totally different. Totally different. What, like that? You you honestly were like, okay, Juice is trying to sink to his level. That's what got him beat. Yes, because you ain't beating was, Moxley in his own game. That's the story they were trying to tell. Exactly. So this time you seen you seen New Japan pulling off a really good storytelling idea of okay. Your main hero in the story, or protagonist, or whatever you want to call it, is not is sticking to his own guns, sticking to his route of doing this in an honorable way or less, you know, violent way than than what Moxley was doing. He comes in, he's uh, Moxley's trying to take out his tables and everything. 
you see Juice stopping him, putting the tables back. And then, you know, at the around the end of the match, you see Moxley just bringing everything into the ring. Buckets, chairs, tables. But that's not what beats him at the end. Juice beats him by a uh, 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 pulp friction, and then it's over. Yep, clean in the middle clean of the ring. Clean in the middle of the ring. Had nothing to do with any of the stuff that they jumped into the ring. The only thing, the only re- the only way he stumped uh, to Moxie's level was with the biting spot with the earring. Oh was, my god, was really cool. <laughs> and he bit his earring off. Yeah, it was fantastic. But it was it, it. But overall, like I said, watching that match after watching the NXT stuff, you op- it opened your eyes greatly to the differences between them. And uh, Moxie's a product of NXT and SCW, you know, he- which is insane. It's absolutely insane. You sat there for years and had this guy in your system. You had yeah. this guy with this amazing fire in his in his belly, you know? And then they extinguished it. They extinguished it. And now, thank God that, you know, he's out and he's back and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And now Moxley's one of the hottest wrestlers out there right if now. Not if the not hottest the hottest guy, guy in America. In, in yeah. America. yeah. And then and maybe <coughs> in Japan. Maybe. Yeah, maybe in Japan. So the last match of the B block. Yeah. That so we... uh, Juice taking out Moxley essentially yeah. ended Moxley's uh, hopes for uh, winning the uh, B block. Yeah, that uh, that was a bit of a heartbreak for Mox, but yep, that's okay. He's so uh, his first one. AEW's TV doesn't start till October, so we're not gonna we're still gonna see him in New Japan at least until October. You might even yeah. And he might still make a, a surprise appearance for Wrestle Kingdom, from what I heard in some certain interviews. Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, I don't think his time in New Japan is over. I think that him and Jericho are both are going to have a similar uh, range with New Japan, where they're going to be able to work both both uh, mm-hmm. promotions. They both have a good relationship with um, with uh, New Japan and Fredo. So it seems like um, Alfredo. Yeah, Alfredo or Gato, whatever you want to call him. Alfredo, so it seems Gato, like, uh, whatever. Yeah, so our main event in uh, today's B Block oh. show uh, came down to uh, Switchblade Jay White. Breathe with the Switchblade. Switchblade going up against. Breathe uh, my nuts in your mouth. Damn. Going up against uh, the man Tetsuya Naito. And, See, um, and I'm telling you, remember the last, uh, the last one we had, the last podcast we did. They're burying him again. They are burying him again. I how said, how how much more can poor Naito take being buried like this? I, I think he can take a lot. I know he can. I think he but can. I, I how think much his, more um, interesting a main event would have been if it was Ibushi and Naito instead see, of Ibushi and Switchblade? See, that's that's there you go. That's the problem. If uh, if you've watched New Japan like I do, we've seen Ibushi and Naito a lot this year. Uh huh. They, they had the match in uh, Madison Square Garden. They had the match in the New Japan Cup. They had a match at Dominion. So mm-hmm. they've already wrestled in three really high-profile matches this year, and they've all and they've traded off victories. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was uh, Naito beat him in the Cup, or maybe Ibushi won. Ibushi won the Cup, which got him his title shot yeah. at Madison Square Garden, and then Ibushi won in Madison Square Garden, and then Naito got the victory back in Dominion. So that's three high-profile matches this year. They've already had. So you don't they think re- they wanted to oversaturate, exactly. like some other federations? Not yeah, Cole, Cole Gargano, Cole Gargano five hundred. Yeah, 
Um, which is why I picked Jay White to win the D block from the very beginning. Uh. <laughs> I was a little nervous because I thought Jay White because Jay White looked bad in the beginning. He he dropped he dropped his first three, but then when he started, basically when Jay White beat Moxley, you knew what was coming. I, I knew for a fucking fact that Jay White was uh was definitely gonna um take the uh, B block. And that's so. what happened. Jay White uh he won clean really. Uh, the, uh, uh Gato got involved a little bit, but Naito hit him with um a kick in the nuts. And uh, so uh, Gato really didn't get involved too much during the match, and um, they had a the great this great exchange towards the end of the match. I, I don't I don't know if you've seen highlights of it yet, but yeah. uh, they had a great exchange at the end of the match where they were both looking for their finish. Um, Jay White's looking for the switchblade, Ninetales looking for Destino, and they're both reversing and countering. It's this and that and this and that, and Jay White hits the uh, the sleeper suplex, and then he hits that uh, sick ass like DDT does. Which set up uh, the switchblade, and he hits it, hits it on Naito. One, two, three. Breathe with the fucking switchblade. Fuck Jay White. He wins the goddamn B Fuck club. Jay White. <laughs> so, all right, Jay so White. now, so now, here's the big prediction: Who do you think's gonna win to go to Wrestle Kingdom? If they don't want to fucking riot, Kota Bushi wins. I'm saying the same thing, but I have a strong feeling it's gonna be Jay White. God damn, I don't want that. I and you're gonna have it. White Okada again. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it either. I want to I see... I want to see... Okada. But here's the thing. That way, you sort of know at this point, okay, Okada got his loss against Ibushi during the, uh, during the G1. Does he get that win back at Wrestle Kingdom? It's too or, predictable to say. Exactly. Because that goes back to what we were talking about before last time with Naito in 2017. That was Naito's time. Yes, it was. Naito had the best G1 ever, wins the G1, going to Wrestle Kingdom to fight Okada. Everybody thought Naito was going to beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. He mm. didn't. Nope. Okada won. Okada won. So, who the fuck can say what's going to happen? I can't say. I have no idea. So Yeah, we're not Fredo. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, what I do know is this. Okada is... The greatest IWGP champion of all time. I will go as far as to say that too, especially with all the stuff. I mean, like a lot of people will say Tanahashi, but I, I, I strongly, just by looking at, especially the recent history about the resurgences and everything, even the stuff that was going on with Kenny Omega, I do, st I do say that Okada is is probably still the greatest. Uh, I, I do, and not notwithstanding Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Right, right. Because Hulk Hogan was the first. Yes. But, uh, by the way, happy birthday to the Hulkster. He's turned uh, 572 today. Um, that's, that's right. Today is Hulk's birthday. Yep. August 11th, that's man. That's right. Today is Hulk's birthday. Happy birthday, Hulkster. And one of the main reasons why, in the beginning of the show, we used his intro from Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Because we were skippy. so, I mean, like, as, as kids especially... We, I love oh, that show. Oh my goodness, yeah. And um, I was a red and yellow Hulkamaniac all the way. Basically. Little known fact: Brad Garrett, the guy from uh, uh, Everyone Loves Raymond, he was the voice of the Hulkster. I did not know that. Yep. Listen to it. Brad, it's Brad fucking Garrett. No shit. <laughs> yep. Wow. Leave it to my friend Danny with the little known facts. He always drops these bits of knowledge on me, and I'm, I'm dropping like, bombs. And I'm always like, wow. No matter what it is. Fuck, dude. Really? Yeah, right. man. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
<laughs> that just made my day here and that that is fantastic. I did not know that. I'm so glad that you said that while we were recording. That is fantastic. I did not know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so uh I, everyone's got their predictions. Um I, I'm I'm thinking the Abushi's gonna get it. I think Abushi's gonna take it tomorrow in the G one finals. Um the reason I say that is because New Japan they usually like to end the G one on a bit of a high note. Yeah. They like the people to go home happy in the G1. Instead of, like, what's going on elsewhere where, you know, the storylines don't make any fucking sense. And, and I think if you want the people to go home happy, you you let Ibushi wins the match. If mm-hmm. uh, if you want the people to go home hating, hating life and hating the product... But you now, here's to... the thing. I mean, you can do that and all. But if it doesn't make sense, story plot-wise... Then you know that then that's a, that's an excuse. But if 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 Jay White wins with some other like story driven plot to make it believable for something later on, that's okay. That's a that uh, that is totally okay. But I do think at this point, since Kota Bushi's had such a shitty year, yes, that this would probably be a very good way for him to pull that off. He hasn't had the best of years with New Japan. I think that's part of the storyline. It's also known that he signed a lifelong contract with New Japan, so he will wrestle for that promotion for the rest of his career. Yep. Um, so it's probably time to begin pulling the trigger with this guy. He's already been the IWGP Junior uh, Heavyweight Champion several years ago. Mm. He was a Junior Tag Champion with Kenny Omega. Yep, the Golden Lovers. A very short-lived Never Open Champion and a very short-lived Intercontinental Champion. Yep. I think it's time to pull the trigger with yep. Kota Bushi. Make his dude champion. Yeah. If you ain't going to make Naito champion, at least make Ibushi champion. That's all I got to fucking say about what that. What I was going to say earlier is, uh, with Okada, he's the best IWGP champion you have, but no matter what, you know he can carry the company. Yeah. He is reliable, he's believable, and he's good enough to have a match that's good and entertaining with anybody. Anybody. And that's a big, big thing. But I think Kota Bushi can cover a lot of those bases, too. Um, so, yeah. It's a different type of charisma. It Honestly, is. it's a different type. You're not going to get the same... And that's the, that's the wonderful part, especially about pro wrestling. If you got... Okada's cool as a cucumber. Yeah. And Kota Bushi's more like, wears the heart on the sleeve kind of guy. Flighty, out there, you know, does his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think that the best thing for them to do right now, especially if you're making a transition from one champion to another, come come up with something that's, you know, not the same. Not not uh, that doesn't feel like it's a cookie cutter mentality. Like, oh this guy's was champion. Oh, this guy's ch-. but he, he, he acts and reacts like the same champion you've had three champions ago. Yeah. Right. Well it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's not it's not enticing to the to the uh, to the uh, the fan. It's not enticing to the person obviously writing the script. One thing <laughs> that I did tend to see um, it didn't it didn't affect it too much, but but viewership did seem to wane a bit after Wrestle Kingdom when Jay White beat Tanahashi for the mm-hmm. uh, IWGP title until the Madison Square Garden show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much. They'll take into consideration for that. 
but uh, New Japan World subscriptions did drop and viewership dropped a little bit in the States when Jay White was the IWGP champion. Was that in regards mostly to just Jay White's attitude, or was that more along the lines of they hated Jay White so I much? I think there was a lot of other factors. I think the three big factors is there was no more elite. Yeah, when the elite left... Well, well, well actually, you know, that's one thing that I, I wish... I can't put it on Jay White. No. I think a lot of it has to do with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks leaving New Japan. Yeah. And, and you know Adam Page, Adam all Page, those people, all, like Burns, everybody yeah. that went with him. Yeah. When they when they had the Bullet Club split up and didn't do anything with it, that pissed me off so much because you could have had honestly the greatest turf war. Yeah. In New Japan and Ring of Honor that the world had ever seen, they didn't man. Have time. And they didn't have. To, they didn't have time. They didn't have time to pull it they off. Didn't, they didn't. Have so, time. once the elite left. And once they started creating, you know, all elite wrestling, you had a vacuum in both federations. You had a, in both uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan. New Japan the only difference bounced was back. New Japan bounced back. Yeah. Ring of Honor has not. No. And they... it's been heartbreaking to say the least. Yeah. So that we're going to touch on that real quick because they did a show this weekend too that we're going to touch base on yep. real quick. Uh, before we wrap things up here. Um, so that is going to set up the G1 Finals, uh, which actually happens um, tomorrow in the East Coast of the United States. But uh, I believe it is tonight in Japan because they are ahead of us. So technically it'll be 2 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast when the G1 Finals actually start. So 2 a.m. East Coast time in the United States is when the G1 Finals start. So if you're a time, night owl... Yeah, by the time this <laughs> airs, the G1 Finals will be over, and you will know who the G1 champion is yeah. by the time this Yeah, and we'll probably out. address that in the next uh, podcast. Absolutely. There's no way we will not address that in the next podcast. Yep. Um, so we're going to jump ship to Ring of Honor real quick before we wrap things up, because they, uh, they did a big show uh, on Friday, and... Um, most notable from that, uh, what would what really got my attention towards that show because honestly, I was going to kind of let this one slide by. Um, I'm not really feeling the Roosh Dalton Castle feud. Uh, not really feeling Matt Taven as the world champion. Uh, not feeling um, Shane Taylor as the TV champion. What I'm it, not feeling much of Ring of Honor at all right now. Exactly. Unless it has some tie to New Japan, like Gorillas of Destiny, there's not really anything exciting going on. What other got, than Marty Skrull. Right. <laughs> what got me this week, on social media, I came across a great promo by Mark and Jay Briscoe that reminded me why I fucking love the Briscoes. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of... The Terry Funk, I don't know if you ever heard it, but there is a classic Briscoe's promo when um, they talk about when they went to their NXT tryout. Yeah. And uh, they were told by the WWE creative that they were not cosmetically appealing. No shit. That's their whole mentality. I mean, that's the whole point. And that's what they said. You're like, was Terry fucking Funk cosmetically, appe cosmetically appealing? So, And they cut this great promo on Ring of Honor TV several years ago. And um, it's basically, I think they were going to, uh, it had to do with New Japan, they were going to do World Tag League at the time, yeah. and, um, and uh, wrestle in Tokyo, and, and they, they brought Terry Funk. It was great, and this promo that they cut in their own ring in Sandy Fork, and they were rocking the 10 times hat, and um, 
they just said uh, uh, how they basically started Ladder Wars and Ladder Wars was created for them. And they, uh, he's the, uh, or Jay Briscoe goes, this ain't the fucking World Tag League. This is Ladder Fucking Wars. And uh, I, I was, I just loved it so much. I was like, I, I'm watching this. I just, yeah. I, I have to fucking see this match now. So I, I, I sat through the rest of the show just so I could uh, watch Ladder Wars with um, the Briscoes and Girls of Destiny. And but the, 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 the glimmers of hope in Ring of Honor right now are very small, to say the least. There and this wasn't, is one of them. Yeah, there, there, the Marty Scroll pj Black match was really yeah. good. Uh, Marty won, yeah. but it was a really good match. But um, I, I was just thinking, like, P.J. Black is this real talented guy. They're not doing nothing with him. Well, he was a product of NXT also. Yeah, not which, doing shit with him. They're not doing shit with him. Um, Roosh and Dalton Cass, so at least they're in an angle, like a blood feud type thing. Um, Roosh is over with the Ring of Honor audience. He doesn't speak English English real well, but he's over with the audience. Uh, the best matches of the show where there was a CMWL, all, it, was all, uh, it was a tag team match, and all the competitors were, CM, were from CMWL. Don't even get me to try to start remembering who the hell these guys are, because I, I will butcher the fucking names. Yeah. Left and yeah, right. Yeah, it's, but it's tough. It was a good match, if you like Lucha Libre. It was a straight Lucha tag match. It was real good. But the highlight of the show, the Alex Shelley-Taven match was good. It, it wasn't a bad match. It, it was a good match. Alex Shelley's a lot of fun. Um, I'm not the biggest Matt Taven guy, but he's good. He's good. I, I'm a big fan of his finisher. How can you keep... When it comes to, like, Matt Taven, the kingdom in itself has been discombobulated and reformed several thousand times now, it seems. Yeah, the original and kingdom was um, Mike, Bennett. Mike Bennett, Adam Cole, and Matt Taven. Yep, and and Maria Maria yep. Canales. Yep, yeah. Now they're sheltering all that now on Matt Taven, and I don't think he, he charismatically he's okay. I don't feel he's what Ring of Honor needs right now. No, to the smarter move would have been to let Marty run with the title, let Marty get the belt at Madison Square Garden uh-huh. and be the champion basically from spring, summer, fall until he d- makes his decision if he's going to re-sign or not. Yep. Let Marty have the title. It would have got more eyes on the promotion, I think. Because uh, right now, Villain Enterprises is actually one of the high points in Ring of Honor right now. Yeah. Brody, Flip Gordon uh, coming Brody, over. Yeah, Brody King, stuff, Flip, Brody, and PCO and PCO. Marty are the hottest things Talk they have. about another guy that has like a, another new career after being uh, you know around for so damn long. Carl Ouellette. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Okay, we're just going to make this guy almost like a, a pseudo-Frankenstein. What? I started seeing those uh, videos last year of him being shocked by um, uh, by Destro, and I was like, what is this? Oh my god, that's the fucking pirate. That's the Quebecer. That's the pirate, dude. That's Quebecer. Pierre Carl, Carl Wett. What is this? I was interested immediately. Then the man, Exactly. The man becomes one of the hottest thing on the indies. He gets booked in, uh, in Bola. And then next thing you know, he's working shots for MLW, and then Ring of Honor snatched him up. Smart move. Made him part of Villain Enterprises. It was the best thing that they could have did. Well, if they would have done it, somebody else would have. Yeah. PCO was too hot. Somebody yeah. else would have snatched up on him. Yeah. He was too hot. And uh, that, that was a smart move on Ring of Honor's part. And um, he's had some really big matches this year. Um, the matches with uh, him and uh, Brody King against the Briscoes, and you throw the G.O.D. in there. So, but... 
the highlight of the the summer showdown uh, was definitely Ladder Wars, the Briscoes and the Grills of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out, you should check it out. It is a bloody, violent, fucking masterpiece. Uh, Briscoes, uh, Briscoes are the Ring of Honor champions going in, and and God is the IWGP tag champions. Only the Ring of Honor tag titles were on the line. Uh, the Briscoes retained, and um, Tongaloa gets seen. There's a, there's a spot you gotta check it out. Mm-hmm. There's a spot. Tongaloa uh, is sandwiched between two ladders. Uh, they're propped up on the guard railing and the ring apron. Yeah. Okay. And he's sandwiched between the two of them, and uh, Mark Briscoe slingshots himself over like an ascenton over the top rope, crashes down on the two ladders. Tongaloa's back of his head splits open. And he's just bleeding all through the back of his head. Wow. And then both Briscoes get color. I don't know if they if they gigged it or if they get it hard way. It's hard to tell because there are so many spots in this match where it could have been ladders are just flying around. So they could have been cracked in half of the ladder. They could have gigged themselves. It's hard to say, but they're bleeding Did you buckets. see an instance where that was the case where they might have been able to gig themselves? Yeah, yeah. One of the, there, there was a time, I think, when Mark Briscoe, he goes over uh, one of the uh, like the barricade, and you can't really see him. Yeah. And then he comes back and he's bleeding. He's all bleeding. Yeah, okay. so that, so, yeah, that, that, that might have been, been an instance where they might have gigged themselves. Yeah, that would have been that would have been the opportune time. But yeah. um, definitely Tongaloa's his hard way. Yep. His head gets split open, and it was a violent, brutal match. And uh, goddamn Briscoe's, man. All these years later, they're still doing it with Ring of Honor. They're still doing it for Ring of Honor. Yeah. They're putting their, their blood, their sweat, their tears into that promotion. Long after so many of their contemporaries have come and gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ladder War started for was started with El Generico, Kevin Steen, and the Briscoes. The first Ladder Wars. Yeah. And now El Generico, Sami Zayn, Kevin Steen's Kevin Owens. Yep. They're all in... Uh, the big, uh, the big WW, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 the Briscoes are still stuck in in Ring of Honor. I wouldn't say stuck in Ring of Honor; they choose to be there, obviously. But um, so uh, preview for the next podcast. What do we? Uh, what's the preview for the that? preview for the next podcast? Because we're going to wind it down here. Um, uh, we're going to go over the results of the G One, and uh, I think we're going to focus uh, on. Ring of Honor. It's going to be uh, an extensive uh, treatise, gonna, so to we're speak. We're going to deep dive into Ring of Honor's uh, history, the, the beginnings of Ring of Honor, how it got started, why it got started, from the the RF video, Rob Feinstein days, to Carrie Silken, to Jim Cornette, to HD HDNet, to the um, Sinclair days, all the way up to now, with, uh, I mean, through the, 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 uh, the elite resurgence up to where we are today with Ring of Honor and uh, we're going to go through everything. We're going to talk about the biggest uh, the biggest people they've created and uh, tune in next time guys. Danny, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, brother. And uh, for the uh, Pro Wrestling, Personified Pro Wrestling Network, we are signing off. Thanks again, guys. Stay safe. Safe. Peace.